Tell All Podcast was created as a platform for support, awareness, community. It's a safe place where individuals can discuss hard topics, life-changing situations that plague our community, and touch on topics including, but not limited to, silicone removal, cosmetic surgeries, relationships, urban culture, and more. Tell All exercises its right to have open dialogue and educate, but does not constitute advice or services. We are not providing professional advice from the podcast or the guests and is for private, non-commercial use only. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to our Tell All podcast featuring your hosts, JB and Brenda Lee. Today we have a special treat. So girlfriend, Mm -hmm. what do you think is better? Getting surgery in the country or out of the country? Well, you already know. I had a bad experience out the country, so I'm going to go ahead and say in the country. Hmm. So that'll be our topic tonight, whether you should go in the country or out Out of the country. That's a good one. Let's get started. Let's get started. So tell me, for you, would it be in the country or out of the country? I am going to stay in the country. <laughs> You're staying in the U.S. I need to see the U.S. of A. where they right. speak English. English? Not English. English. English? Um, not English. English. Oh, all right. Go ahead. So what was your experience? What makes you come to this conclusion that it's better for you to stay in the U.S. versus out the country? So I had an experience in Colombia where mm-hmm. they speak predominantly Spangl- Spanish. Mm-hmm. You, were and, spang- you were speaking Spanglish. I was speaking Spanglish, but they <laughs> right. speak Spanish. Right. Um, so for me, it was that language barrier. Okay. Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I just had a horrible experience. A horrible experience from the time that I woke up in the recovery room and being completely ignored, not being able to communicate effectively, um, having workers who didn't want to work, didn't want to be there, and therefore did not help you when you needed help. Okay. Um, So for me, it was like, no, when I was here in the States, Mm -hmm. I had a much, much better experience. Like, I was actually... um, catered to like mm-hmm. as soon as I woke up to you know in the recovery room the nurses immediately came over and asked me if I was okay asked me how was I feeling um you know wanted to make sure that I wasn't in pain at that moment and they spoke English they spoke English mm-hmm. so I could communicate effectively <laughs> um That's a must. so it's it's very important it's a must because when I woke up in Colombia I had the worst heartburn and pain Mm-hmm. possible and I was like I need Tums and they looking at me like huh and yeah. I'm like please they I need Tums they call it something else they call there. it something <laughs> they didn't know what the hell I was talking about right. and I'm like trying to figure out every Spanish word I knew possible but I just did not know the word for Tums or any okay. sort of you know heartburn um medication acid, or mm-hmm. any acid you know pills or anything I just I couldn't communicate and so I was, um, after a while of being in pain, and I'm talking about hours, mm-hmm. I finally said, can I see a cell phone or, 
you know, a mobile where I was just trying to figure out how to say it. And then I was able to use um, Google Translator. <laughs> yeah, something. I'm like, phone. phone. Senora, senora, por favor, senora, yeah. help me. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, you know I me. Mean? I could say that. Yeah. you. I had to go to the bathroom. I just said, baño. Yo necesito baño, por favor. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. That I'm like, so... my pantalones. <laughs> you didn't even have any on at that point. Yeah, I didn't know what to say. I am trying, <laughs> I am trying to figure out the best way to say I need to go to the bathroom. Right. Um, had no clue. Okay. So that was horrible. Yeah. Um, but once I got the Google Translator, they still didn't care. No, they didn't. So it was just a matter of my I, my actual nurse who was assigned to me mm-hmm. coming to the recovery room who spoke English, right. who was able to communicate with me and get me the items that I needed. Well, at least that was okay. I mean... That part was pish posh. Yeah, pish posh. Um, however, I mean, even dealing with the doctor at that time, just him doing whatever he wanted to do and... Me having so, to suffer from that. So let me ask you, did the doctor come in after you had surgery? I didn't see that doctor again until the follow-up at his office. So you're telling me that after you had surgery, the doctor was nowhere to be found. So even like 24 hours later, Mm-mm, nothing. Nothing. Because you didn't stay 24 hours, right? No, I was uh, released day. the same day. Okay, so the same day, even after... He didn't come in to check on you to see how you were doing or to tell you that um, your surgery was a success or anything like that? No. I actually didn't find out more about my surgery until I had to cry and ask the questions. Like, I did have a follow-up appointment with him where he said, you know, everything looked good, but I didn't know exactly what was done. Okay. So that was only at the follow-up appointment. How many days was that? Uh, About almost a week. Okay, so you didn't get to see the doctor for about a week. Almost. And so um, as far as when you were in the United States and you had surgery, were they, was it the same with the doctor not coming in the next day or the same day or anything like that? No, my doctor came in to make sure I was good. Um, after surgery. After surgery, and okay. then I saw my doctor again because my surgery was on a Friday. By Monday, I was in her office seeing her again so it was just a couple of days okay and there was a big difference huge difference yeah absolutely like I said it was nurses that were able to meet my need and come to my aid when I needed them even before I actually needed them okay Uh, making sure I was okay making sure I was able to eat and drink in Colombia they could care less if I ate or drank they didn't give me anything that is true okay they gave me nothing I didn't receive anything until my nurse got there. And when I say hours later, it literally was hours later. And I laid in agony for that entire time. Damn, I'm sorry to hear that. That's horrible. Yeah. So for me, because of that experience, I would definitely stay in the United States, not to mention the fact that I didn't get what I asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a whole nother battle dealing with that doctor mm-hmm. because he is out of the country. Okay. So for you, how was your experience being out of the country? Okay, so I've had surgeries, multiple surgeries here in the United States. And typically what happens is you go in for surgery and the doctor sees you after surgery. Most times. I won't say 10 out of 10. I'll say probably 7 or 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, After you come out, your 
nurse makes sure that you're okay. Like you said, they give you crackers, juice. They make sure that you can hold something down, um, making sure your vitals, your heart, everything. So it's not to say that out of the country doesn't do that as well, but they don't make sure that um, you eat immediately after. So you are like starving and you're like out of it, so to speak, a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, overall, it's, um, it's a bit different by way of the attentiveness that they give in the U.S. versus over there. Over there, you're going to be by yourself. So especially with the COVID situation, they're like very strict with having additional people in the hospital or the surgical center or any of that. So even if you go with someone, they can only drop you off. Mm -hmm. They're not able to stay. And so let me go, let me backtrack. So yeah, as you, as you're getting your surgery over here, you still have to go through the COVID protocols and everything currently, but you're still able to have someone come in your room and see you and all of that kind of stuff. Over there, it wasn't like that, not in Colombia anyway. Um, and they're not as attentive to the patient when they're waking up. It's kind of like really non-existent. They just leave you there laying. Um, so after I wake up from surgery abroad, it's a horrible experience for me because even though I speak Spanish, they, um, they weren't really uh, coming over to the bedside so I could barely speak mm. at that time you know waking up and again you had uh, what kind of pain I had uh, pain from the surgery and then severe acid reflux okay so I had like a like buildup of gas mm -hmm. and then not only gas but it was um, what else oh uh, like mucus from the tubes being in my nose mm -hmm. And so that was making it kind of difficult for me to breathe. So ultimately, it took them a while to come over. The lady next door, well, not next door, but the bedside next to me, she's like, she needs your help. You know, this is prior to even being taken to the ICU. But all in all, the, the practice over there is different. Um, how nurses handle situations versus doctors and then the doctor, again, you said you didn't see him for a week. I didn't see him for a week either. So within that time frame, it's like, what if something's not right? Mm -hmm. You know, then we have to call our driver, um, have our nurse reach out for us. So it's like basically we're relying on someone else. If you right. go abroad, it's not like your mom or your sister, or your cousin, your kids, anyone like that. It's whoever you're basically handing your life over to like hey take care of it because that was our nurse for us they were the ones that were really like doing everything for us making calls and and our driver mm -hmm. so so can you imagine if we didn't have reliable people because honestly we were good in that area our nurses and driver were amazing right but what if you didn't have that you know what i mean i feel like because having somebody over there previously who was mm -hmm. able to recommend the nurses and the driver, yeah. we were placed in a better situation than we were going over there blind. Right. Well, I spoke to someone today who actually uh, inboxed me okay. and they're going abroad. So she and I, we're going to have a conversation. I'm hoping, you know, before she goes, just so that, you know, I can give her some insight on what to possibly expect because she's never been abroad and she's kind of like, you know, it's going, we're going over here with about, I think, nine girls. Oh, wow. But imagine if nine people were getting surgery or even three or four, 
it's still like not enough. It's just it's not different. if everybody's going to be down. Exactly. Nobody is going to actually be there to help support mm-hmm. those who are having surgery. Not to mention a lot of the um, recovery homes abroad have been getting robbed. Yes, they have been getting and, robbed. And like patients have been getting injured severely, like yes, kicked and did hear about that punched and beat up um, while they're recovering. Like I could not imagine that at all. But if you think about it, that's smart on the, the person who's robbing because it's like you're out of commission. You're taking money. You're take. I mean, we're, we went over there with money. So. Right. <laughs> Imagine um, having someone come in and just take you for whatever additional money you have, not to mention like your clothes, your shoes, all of that. Because really, if you're abroad and you have nice things that you took with you, there's nothing to like take it and resell it or, you know, whatever. That's a come up for them. Yeah, you have to be really careful, especially when going abroad and making sure that you have somebody with you who is not going to have surgery and be able to really be there for you to help you uh, recover during that time frame for sure so if anything take someone with you at least one person so that you have that you need that support it is on top of the nurse and um whoever else because if they don't have think about it if we didn't have a rapport with these people like you said it's us relying on what is it, Rappi, the food place? Yeah. So it's like um, like a Uber Eats over there, just relying on them. And they couldn't come up to the condo in which we were staying it because it was secured. secured. So we would have to walk, and we couldn't walk. Right. So that would have been, like, crazy right. if our nurses weren't there. Absolutely. Um, and that was another thing, having 24-hour nurses set that up. That was the best thing that we could have ever done was yeah. having a 24-hour nurse. Mm-hmm. And we had our own our own nurses, even though we were staying in the same location, but they were able to, you know, cook, clean, make sure we got to our appointments. Um, as Brenda stated, they were able to call the doctors if there was an issue, um, make sure we had our medication. Like, they did it all, and our driver uh, played a very important role as well because he made sure you know whatever they couldn't get he got um so we were able to rely not only on the nurses but our driver as well yes he took us and got us covid testing took us to the market took us to restaurants kind of like a a guardian over us yeah you know for being abroad yep so shout out to our driver and nurses (laughs) yes we We miss you guys we We love you guys (laughs) yes but um, that so was now great. with the wait, I do want to circle back because mm-hmm. you mentioned you were in ICU. Like, yeah. why did you go to ICU? What happened with that? So I went to ICU because um, let my doctor in Columbia tell it I definitely was in distress. But distress from what? The surgery. The surgery. The surgery. So you were in distress. While you were getting surgery? While I was getting surgery, right. So oh, wow. I was supposed to have um, my first, what is it called? Reconstruction surgery. Reconstruction, yes. So I was supposed to have the reconstruction surgery. The first procedure was supposed to be lipo. Um, I had gained weight to have enough fat so that I can get my reconstruction to my butt. However, um, he talked me into getting a tummy tuck. So... I was reluctant to get the tummy tuck only because I was like a tummy tuck. 
that's scary. You know, they're cutting you from hip to hip. I've already been cut from hip to hip from the back, from the removal or whatever. But um, once he went in there, he must have lipoed first from what I'm believing because it's never been uh, confirmed. Mm -hmm. You know, this is just me believing what I believe. So I believe that he went in and did his liposuction intrusively. Like, I mean, obviously it's, it's trauma to your body no matter what surgeon does it, but I think his way of doing it is kind of like super invasive mm -hmm. because even weeks later or months later, you're still, you know, hurting. And I have certain pains in my body as well. So um, as he goes in, he removes the, the fat. And, you know, they do the procedure where the fat is sitting in that little incubator thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then he then lipo, well, he lipoed, and then he cut my stomach, they, the, um, the tummy tuck. And I think at that point, my body probably started to go into, I don't know, something. Because he initially said that it was my heart um, or I had like fluid in my lungs later on, they couldn't give me like any concise information. It was only when I came back to the US that they said that I had a pulmonary embolism that had went to my lungs and that I was lucky to be alive. And you know, it's just like, wow. I'm glad that I didn't know all of that then. I mean, I knew something was going on because I was in ICU, but knowing that there, I probably would have freaked out even more. Not having my family or you guys, like those first four and a half days was crazy because you guys weren't there because you were recovering and then I was still in there and another person that we were with she was recovering as well because she was in in a better space than we were because she was already what six weeks out I think so yeah probably like a month so yeah the doctor basically hid that um, I was in distress he didn't come see me the next day you know what? I'm lying. Two days, two days later, he did come see me. Not the following day, but like that Wednesday. I went into surgery on a Monday. Tuesday, I didn't see him. Wednesday, he comes in, and the very first thing he does is check my stomach. Oh, you look good. Oh, it looks very nice. And I'm like, sir, like, what's going on? Why do I have oxygen in my nose? And, you know, why am I in here? Oh, your heart, you need to get it checked out. That's all he kept saying, your heart, your heart, you need to get it checked out. So I come back and I'm going through different doctor's appointments with my cardiologist and the oncologist, the hematologist, all these different doctors just to figure out what happened to me. And all of them came back with saying that I don't have any pre-existing issues. It was the fact that I went through um, the trauma with surgery. Oh, so wow. it was surgery induced. So even if you're healthy to anyone getting surgery, it doesn't matter if you're healthy when you go into surgery, your body can Lip and change on you in, in an instant or whatever, you know. So I think that that's what happened with me. I've had several surgeries that year, and my body probably was just like enough is enough at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is a first of all, liposuction alone is invasive. Very invasive. So to yes. have the liposuction and a tummy tuck, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely can see how that happened. Right. But um, I guess the part that was disheartening for me was. Um, not having that conversation with my doctor and him not really acknowledging. It's kind of like he did something to me and then tried to flip it on me as if I was cognizant or awake or anything, and, and it was my fault. So he made me feel like it was my fault, it's my body, it was your heart, it was this. So he basically did the blame game, pointed the finger, and so that's why he and I 
um, you know, ended on the terms that we did. He and I did not see eye to eye. I had got money back from the surgery because, in my opinion, he did a shitty job. He didn't even do what he was supposed to. I, I woke up with, like, burn marks on my one uh, butt cheek. Wow. So how do you end up with burn marks on, like, clear cheeks? I did had, he ever tell you why you had burn marks? No, he never told me why. No one could explain anything. To this day, I have no pictures of after either. So, you know, his coordinator, she was taking pictures, you know, because after the surgery, they want to do follow-up pictures. Oh, we'll email it to you. We'll text it to you. Never. To this day, I have no pictures of that. So it's like, what are you hiding? This is what I mean. You have to be very careful. Yeah, very careful. Because they have different different laws, different um, guidelines that they follow, and it's not the same as American guidelines. So I feel like you're not protected over there if something should go wrong. You're not. You're not at all. And so that leads me to, like, I guess touch base a little bit on, like, the ramifications of malpractice Mm -hmm. Um, if something goes wrong over there. So if something goes wrong over there, you have to actually get an attorney in that country to represent you. Right. Um, And then, you know, let them know your story and that. That's if they'll take it, too, because honestly, not to cut you off, but I feel like if certain lawyers will take the case um you know how would that end up being for them after that situation depending on how big the doctor is as well yeah that's true as well however it's just all of that comes into play when you are thinking about should you stay in country or out of country and most people go out of the country because it's cheaper Mm -hmm. and they think they're getting a better deal um for us that's why we went right right? then we get over there and then we end up spending what we were going to spend here anyway and more and more because now you know having to get an attorney having to fly back and forth um you know to court and going through this whole process right it just ended up costing way more money than we anticipated no i i totally agree with that so you know just doubling back i feel like for me um going out the country was a big mistake you know um i would i wish that i would not have gone and um but everything happens for a reason and so i'm just glad to be here you here we safe we're good we're healthy for the most part and anything that we got to work on now is just additional stuff i mean it's going to be additional costs incurred by us um of our our choice so it's like be mindful of the decision that you're making and like weigh your pros and your cons don't just jump on like oh it's five thousand it's seven thousand you're not taking into account airbnbs food drivers nurses medicine uh just miscellaneous stuff it, it adds up very very quickly and so also if something goes wrong um with the doctors in another country and you come back and you're complaining to your primary and your primary uh, refers you to a specialist or a a surgeon, they don't want to touch you. I know for me, when I came back, I had, um, yeah, I can speak from experience. I had the stitches still in my navel and I had stitches, uh, I believe on my my lower abdomen. Mm -hmm. I had to pay $250 to a surgeon to remove it because my primary doctor would not touch me. The ER doctors would not touch me to remove stitches. Wow. And so, you know, 
it was just like, wow, they're like, no, we don't want to be held liable if something happens, an infection from removal, anything can happen. That's and true. so they they don't want to they don't want to touch you. So keep that in mind too. If you have a problem and you go to the hospital and you let them know you were out of the country getting surgery, they definitely don't want to touch you. Their first recommendation is that you go back where you came from. <laughs> like yeah, literally go back true. where you came from unless it's something where it's a dire need. That's the only time that they will actually treat you if you are close to deathbed, <laughs> basically for them yeah. to treat you. Um, otherwise they just look at it as no, we don't want to have that blood on our hands, period. Yeah. Um, and also the other thing for me was traveling back. Mm -hmm. That flight was so uncomfortable. It was even with the big seats. We had like, yeah, we were in bigger seats and it just didn't matter. It was so uncomfortable having to be, um, in a wheelchair and going through the airport um, having to wait a six hour layover um, in the airport just to try to get back home after you just had surgery. It was not comfortable. It was the worst experience ever for me. It was, it was definitely the worst for me as well. And then I uh, developed a blood clot in my legs from that flight. Mm. So in addition to that, like the story gets worse. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. You know, going abroad and coming back on a flight, um, the flight was three hours from Columbia to, or maybe two and a half, three hours from, from Columbia, Columbia to, Miami. to Miami. The Miami, we had a layover for like six hours. Mm -hmm. um, that's sitting, we sat because we were in wheelchairs. And um, then coming back was another three hours. So you figure all darn day, I had no blood thinners. No one put me on blood thinners. I didn't have any compression socks on, stockings. Um, it was just a whole grand mess. Like, yeah. and I wasn't, I wasn't prepared because I didn't know what to expect. And I knew for sure we weren't supposed to be on an airplane traveling. Um, he cleared us because he just wanted to get me out of his hair, basically, you know, of complaining and not liking his work and so on and so forth. So as we're coming back, you know, days later, we got back that Saturday by Monday, I'm having pain. Tuesday, I could barely walk and I go to my doctor's appointment that Wednesday and she rushes me immediately to the ER. She's like, no, you gotta go. So they're doing all kinds of tests and then they come back and they're like, hey, you have a, a um, what is it, blood clot in your, in your right leg. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So at that point, it, it became very, very serious to me because not only did I feel like I was dealing with um, the, the heart slash lung issue that they said, but it all was because of surgery surgery and now flying so anyone who wants to travel out the country keep in mind that you should really consider just staying where you're going to stay at for about honestly a month to six weeks so if you don't have that type of money then you shouldn't be gone because you should really just let your body heal anyway for that four to six weeks you're going to have to go to the doctors numerous times right. for follow-ups mm -hmm. but the first six weeks is so crucial it's like even being here and seeing our doctors in new york that was an every week thing mm -hmm. for months. So what makes it so different when you're out the country? Right, that's You know, true. we f fly down there, think we're going to come back in a week or two, and no, it's, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So just having a realistic expectation when traveling outside of the country. We don't want to deter you um, from going right. out of country. Um, 
we just are sharing our experiences how because we want you to prepare especially when you're going out of the country so that you can have a much better experience than we had absolutely um so just keep all of those things in mind when you are preparing to go out of the country having that support system having nurses on standby, staying there for six weeks, as Brenda mentioned, having the money for an Airbnb or a recovery home or whatever route you decide to take, um, knowing that there is a language barrier um, and being able to have, you know, something on standby so that you can communicate with the staff at the hospitals or at the surgical centers. Um, just keeping all of that in mind and travel, <laughs> right. really. So, um we just wanted to bring that to your attention and just inform you all of what to do and to prepare and what our experiences were. Yeah, I think in the, the final, um, the final thing that I want to add to that is uh, the, the follow up care from your primary doctor. Um, when you come over here, obviously, if you're, let's say you have, you get your breast done and you go and you stay there two weeks when you return obviously you're going to have to be seen because the doctor can't feel or see i mean they can zoom call with you or whatever but you're going to have to go to your primary care the primary care then is going to either see you or refer you to a, a surgeon and then at that point you're still going to have to spend money on seeing a surgeon because who's going to give their time up for free you know what i mean like i said i had to pay 250 for um, the doctor to remove that to see me, you know, because money talks and you know the rest. But they um, they should always, when I say they, whoever's considering going out the country, should consider just you know having that conversation also with your doctor, like, hey, I'm going abroad, and or try to find a surgeon in the area that you can kind of build a rapport with prior to, so that when you come back, you've already had a conversation, they know you, and you know you already have that lined up as far as like an appointment date or something so if you're going like january 1st and you're coming back the 15th by january 30th i mean before then but let's just say the 30th you should be able to already have an appointment lined up to see that surgeon over here mm -hmm. to follow up and make sure everything is going fine because you can't have a surgery like any type of surgery and think that oh once it's done it's done no anything can go wrong internally stitches um you know, um, what is it, the, the fatty part of the, it gets hard. Oh, scar tissue. Scar tissue can form. Um, blood clots. Blood clots, exactly. <laughs> just a lot of different things can, can come about. Um, and so just be mindful. Take all of that into consideration. Don't think that for one second that it can't happen to you because you'll be the first one that it happens to. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much thank for tuning in today. We hope that all the information we've relayed is beneficial and helps you in some way. Um, if you guys have any questions that you want to ask or want to, us to elaborate on certain things, please feel free to email us at info at fearlessdrivenwomen.com. Mm -hmm. Right. So info at fearlessdrivenwomen.com. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See us next week. <laughs>